0: Are you doing enough in your life, personally and professionally, to market yourself? You have questions, and the Marketing Madmen have answers. Search the Marketing Madmen on Google or your favorite podcast provider to get practical marketing advice from expert guests who are shaping and reshaping the business world. They say marketing is a madman's game. Join the Marketing Madmen every Saturday at four PM to find out why.
1: Yo 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 yo. 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 Hey guys, welcome to this week's edition of Welcome to Atlanta. We appreciate you guys making us your weekly destination to catch up with some of our favorite uh, Atlanta and Georgia guests, both past and present. Let's not waste any time. Let's get to this week's edition of Welcome to Atlanta. All right. Uh, so tell me about John Rocker, the uh, the kid, the athlete, the baseball player. Give me like eight or ten year old John Rocker. How good of an athlete were you at that point?
2: Um, I don't know. on what uh, what field I was on, I guess. Um. I was uh, I was a pretty good old football player. I uh, was kind of undersized, sort of skinny, uh, a little bit timid, if you can believe that. It um, you was know, a baseball player. Uh, it was kind of kind of like a, a duck in water uh, from day one. Um, you know, of course, I was uh, uh, was a bit awkward, um, uh, tall, skinny, lanky, somewhat uncoordinated. So I was probably seven, 18 years old, um, but at the point of being, I can still remember eight, nine, ten years old uh, playing catch with my little league. Um, Little league uh, practices, and the only people that play catch with me were the uh, were the coaches. No, none of my teammates would play catch with me uh, when I was eight or nine years old. I just I just, I just threw too hard. So um, even from uh, from back in that time, uh, loved loved trying to uh, love trying to throw hard, loved trying to throw every pitch I threw as hard as I could. Uh, had zero command and was uh, <laughs> known for uh, plunking people and wild pitches and balls in the dirt and everything else. And uh, I'm sure my my catchers, even as a 12 uh, year old, would say they didn't like me very much. Um, but, yeah, I was just always real competitive back then and, uh, and uh, you yeah, loved, know, loved baseball from, you know, probably 6 years old person I ever put a uniform on.
1: So when did it become, and I know this is odd because every 12-year-old dreams of doing what you did and playing in the bigs, but when did it become like sort of a reality that you had a lot of talent and people were paying attention and you had a chance to maybe fulfill that dream?
2: You know, I don't – I don't. I, you know, I, I got the – and I always, I always tell this story. I got kind of the wild hair at my backside when I was about 13 years old because uh, I, I felt I had talent. And I felt that with with uh, an effort to cultivate that talent, I felt that I could uh, at least uh, – my, my first and foremost goal, I want to play baseball at Georgia. Um, and I, I never really thought much past that. I want to play D1, you know, major D1 college ball. The only thing I just kept – repetitively saying to myself um, and and you know I remember from the time being thirteen years old, my philosophy was I had to do something every single day to achieve that dream, whether it was um, reading about something baseball, uh, reading a, a book written by Roger Clemens or reading a book written by tom house or or, or whomever or, or watching a game or playing or working out or doing something. That was the philosophy at thirteen. I don't think I ever really realized uh, that that dream was going to be legitimate and had a a decent chance of being realized uh, probably until I was uh, about 15 years old of a sophomore in high school, and my high school baseball coach had been a team captain at George back in the late 70s. Uh, named named uh, Jim Turner, um, and then went on to play uh, some years with the uh, the Reds uh, in, in their farm system. And Jim uh, Jim really promoted me; he promoted uh, his uh, uh, just, just 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 pit me out as much as he could. Uh, and he said he wanted to take me to uh, to Foley Field up in Athens and, and take me my first college game. And I introduced me to uh, Jim Weber, the, uh, or should be Steve Weber, the manager, and all that, and he was, that, that was kind of my first realization that, that Coach Turner's bringing me up here, showing me this environment. He really, uh, he really thinks I have a shot uh, of playing uh, major D1, D1 ball at some point, and I kind of put two and two together. I'm like, oh, it seems I'm on the right path. Um, and I'll tell you a funny story about that day. That was my first college uh, baseball game I ever saw, uh, and Joey Hamilton, who I had dinner with Joey two nights ago, was a dear friend of mine, uh, lives about 10 minutes from here in Atlanta, um, Joey was pitching for Georgia Southern and just absolutely just shoved against Georgia. I think nine innings, one one hit, no runs, 12, 11, 12 punch outs. I mean, it was absolutely shoved. I, I told Joey that story. I'm like, hey, you were a lot skinnier back then, too, there, Joe. Um, but that, that, was, that was my first experience. And that, that really was kind of the, the realization and especially seeing those players like, yeah, they're good, but I'm still three or four years away. I I could be that good in three or four years. And that was kind of when the light bulb went off that, A, this man wouldn't be taking his time to promote me at this level and show me what this level was like if he didn't think in three or four years I could mature to that level.
1: So, and again, the Internet doesn't always tell me the truth, but I read that you threw three no-hitters in high school. I did.
2: How was, like – One one was against St. Catherine's School for the Blind. Uh, <laughs> one was against a Paraplegic U, Um And I can't remember the third one. But yeah, I, I, threw, I threw three back in high school.
1: Okay, so t- tell me this now. Two things then, right? So how was the recruiting chase? Because I know you committed to Georgia, but who else was interested? And when did when did Major League Baseball like, start in your mind that somebody might draft you and you'd have to make a decision?
2: Yeah, and, and, and really, the, the college and the pro thing were kind of simultaneously. I, I was getting just as many phone calls from, from Pro Scouts as I was getting from uh, getting from colleges and then, of course, all the letters and stuff like that. It was being asked by Pro Scouts, you know, at least once a month for the, you know, come sit down with them wherever and, and, uh, and take the the 300-question psych test, which clearly uh, someone had not diagnosed that very well. Um, but, uh, you know, I, 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 I really didn't think uh, along the pro lines, up until I was about seventeen, maybe, um, but still, just just had it dead set in my mind. I couldn't think outside the box. I was just thinking D one college ball, D one college ball, D one college ball, and uh, it, it really wasn't until I was probably that senior year uh, where I started having more pro scouts there than college scouts. And um, you see, uh, you see behind the dish, and there's thirty guns back there, and twenty of them are Atlanta and Cleveland and Milwaukee and whomever. Um, and so that that's that's really when it started uh you know, I guess I guess becoming Freya becoming a parent in my mind. You got a big decision coming up here in uh, in, in June. And I uh, went ahead and signed with Georgia, um, took visits to uh Southern uh, to uh, South Carolina, took visits to Auburn, um, took a visit to Liberty University and all odd places. Um so I took four of my five visits, uh, to, to you know, pretty pretty uh, pretty decent programs. Uh and really even um, even after being drafted by Atlanta it was uh uh you know it was such a an, uh, i guess uh a, a, i don't know a serendipitous thing to be drafted by atlantic growing up in bacon and i can still remember uh you know trying to watch i grew up sort of out in the country bacon and trying to watch tbs on channel 17 with with adjusting the rabbit ears uh, <laughs> uh on a on a well whatever given night and and hearing uh skip and everybody you know doing their commentary skip and pete and all that and Riding around in the car, listening to AM uh, AM 750 and listen to the Braves game. And I, I grew up from five years old uh, being a Claudel Washington fan, a Chris Chambliss fan. I was, I was a huge Braves fan, so it was pretty nostalgic to get drafted by Atlanta. Um, but I didn't think the uh, the draft pick was high enough. I was I was hoping to go somewhere in the top ten rounds um, and didn't. And uh, when when that didn't happen, I'm like, all right, that's 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 kind of uh, um, you know kind of the riding on the wall. I'm Georgia here I come. Um, and then Scherholz just wouldn't let it go. Uh, John John kept banging on me all summer. Him and uh, Chuck Lamar and then and, uh, and Rod Gilbert and a whole bunch of other front office guys would show up at I don't know at least two or three times a month to my um, uh, America Legion games and take me out for a a, a cup of coffee or a, an appetizer or something after the game, and I uh, just wouldn't let up. And um, finally, uh, I'd gone to to Athens. Uh, Went through orientation got my class schedule was probably six or seven days before school actually started uh and John invited me up to um uh work out before a game and I uh, work out on the field before games, so I walk in the clubhouse as a a little skinny uh eighteen year old kid and I walk in there's Dave justice and oh, there's all oh, there's like oh, there's Dion, and I'm just I'm, I'm just I'm just amazed you know. And uh, you know, tongue hanging out, and just this is what the like, clubhouse looks like. And and I went out on the field, and, I, and Marvin Freeman was throwing in the bullpen. I can remember this like it was yesterday. And um, and uh, threw with Leo uh, uh, for for a bullpen session, and went back in and and, and got dressed, and, and uh, you know, showered and all that kind of stuff. My, my scout came to came to get me is like uh, Chuck and John to see upstairs and uh in, in Chuck's office, and uh, I'm there with my my mother, my father, my uncle, um, and they're trying to you know put on their Their best, uh, their best player agent cap, which uh, was was no match for uh, for John and Chuck. And I sit down and Chuck just shoved the contract across the desk. He's like, "Are you ready to sign it?" Like, "Yeah, fine, give me that thing." So that was uh, that was it. I had to call Steve Weber up, the uh, the Georgia manager, and we're starting school in five days, Steve. But uh, I'm not coming. So (laughs) what was
1: was your? uh, Do you remember your signing Uh, bonus?
2: Uh, Fifty grand, fifty grand plus school. That was it. And at that back, age though back, today, f- that wasn't, that, back in 93 that wasn't uh, that wasn't changed no was, i mean if, was, for, for an 18 year old or something
3: but
2: yeah. uh but uh i was i had i had bigger numbers in mind but uh you know we, we decided to do that and and uh, another funny story like i said for an 18 year old kid to have to to call up a grown-ass man like steve weber who's the, the manager of a major d1 program and five days before school started and, and i don't know how much you know about college scholarships uh when it comes to baseball but there's 11.7 scholarships i'm sure you already know this matt but 11.7 scholarships for the entire whatever 25 30-minute roster whatever it is and i was getting 93 percent of the scholarships so basically a full ride uh where you know the other ten and a half and a half scholarships are getting divided up between 24 other guys so they, they were probably giving me the biggest scholarship on the team. And then to, to give that scholarship back uh, literally less than a week before school started, I'm sure Steve Weber hung up and cussed my name for <laughs> the next several days. But uh, um, we're in, in, in New York playing the Yankees in 99. I guess it was game two or three or something like that. I think it was actually game three. And we come back to the uh, uh, to the Grand Hyatt in Manhattan there. And I'm going to the lobby bar to have a drink with some folks, whatever. So I'm sitting there, I think with Leo or somebody, and uh, tap on the shoulder. I turn around at Steve Weber. Uh, he was he was scouting with the Yankees this morning. He's like, "Yeah, John, yeah, I guess you made the right decision. So, <laughs> I, I appreciate that." So, so, I thought that was that well, was, uh, was that was kind of kind of humorous.
1: Tell me, okay, so you make your minor league debut, and I've heard many times like the college experience is the college experience, and it's it's night and day when you're riding on buses and you're doing the whole minor league thing. What was the minor league debut like, and did you have any regrets at all early?
2: Uh, not regrets. I mean I had enough success early. Um that I can't say I had regrets. Um you know, the Miley debut. Honestly, I don't remember yes, I do remember it. it was in uh in Burlington, North Carolina, against the Burlington Indians. Uh I started I was a third starter on that team and, and Bartola Cologne opened the season up uh, against Jason Green and Ben Bart was just blowing cheese. He was he was he was top of like a hundred and two. Uh, he also was much skinnier back then. Um and, of course, Bart and I became teammates in Cleveland. He's an absolutely fantastic guy. But, uh, you know, as far as my specific start, I think I threw okay. I think I went four or five, maybe gave up a run or two. Um, but not, not really regrets. I mean, I was, uh, you know, as, as tough as the minors are, uh, I was always happy being there. I was always happy playing. Um, you have some, you know, obviously the, the, the natural doubts about your ability. Am I good enough? And, you know, my God, look at all the great players around me and look who's ahead of me. And, my God, look at that big league staff. I'm crack into that staff uh there, there's there's you know certainly a lot of uh doubts of you know your ability to have success but as far as regrets of you know oh shit i should have gone to college um you know not really um because I, I was still in touch with a lot of my, my buddies of course were in college and it was the the frat parties three four nights a week and and um you know the, the entirely too much drinking and boozing and partying and that I, I just i thought if i was in that environment uh probably woulda you know, probably would have drank the Kool-Aid too and been right along with them and, and may have seen a baseball career kind of go up in flames, um, uh, you know, on account of, you know, alcohol and girls.
1: So. Yeah. How did the uh, transition go from starting to relief pitching in the minors? Uh,
2: you know, I, did, I'd, I only relieved for a brief stint um, in the minors, uh, which this, this, ab, this athlete has chapped my ass. Um, I finished the season in 96. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm kind of... Doing errands here. Um, it was the season '96 with the Durham Bulls. It pitched between Macon and Durham. Uh, I think I had like a, I don't know, it was maybe ten and six. Not a great, you know, great win loss. But my ARA was like in the low threes. I led the entire organization in strikeouts, 150 um, some odd strikeouts, and you know, 130 innings. My walks were a little high, but still, not, I, mean, I overall had a, a pretty, pretty damn good year. Coming to spring training, of course, you know, think I'm going to be in double-A and all that. They send me back to Durham as a mop-up guy. I'm like, you've got to be shitting me. I mean, send me back to Durham, and I wasn't going to pitch unless we're up or down by five or six, you know. Uh, and so that, that was my my first really ever relieving. I mean, obviously not in high school and in and, and pro ball, you know, the first ever relieving, uh, relieving in that capacity. And then for whatever reason, I did that for about, you know, maybe six weeks. I was not really pitching that well. I think my ERA was a mid-four, high-four, something like that. And uh, just get a, a, a call one day from uh, the manager, brings me to his office, like, you're going to double A, and you're going to be in the rotation. Like, what in the world makes me deserve that? Um, I'm, I'm in in long-relief mop-up role in A-ball, a, a, a league that I did very well in last year, but I'm back here feeling much worse than I did last year. And you're going to move me to double A and put me back in the rotation? Uh, okay. I, I, I'll just I'll just see you in the morning. Um, and then after that, I, I started for the next uh, – the next year um, in Double A, of course, one of the Arizona Fall League, and started in the Fall League as well, um, and then went to uh, went to Puerto Rico. I uh, was was uh, was asked if I want to go to Puerto Rico because there was going to be a uh, a bullpen spot um, on the big league uh, the big league club the next year in ninety eight. I'm like, absolutely, send me down there. So the first real relieving intentional leaving I did, uh, living down in Puerto Rico with uh, the Mayaguez Indios.
1: How was life in Puerto Rico for that time?
2: I loved it. I had some some great teammates. Some guys uh, uh, I still talk to. Boy Rodriguez. Uh, actually, I talked to Boy a couple of days ago. You, you probably don't know who Boy is. Boy played a couple of years with the Giants and was our third baseman down there. Boy lives in Destin now. I see, I see Boy every time I go to the Panhandle. Um, you know, played with uh, uh, Jose Valentin. Um, played against uh, against Pudge and with Pudge uh, quite a bit. Uh, Will Cordero, who I played with Will in uh, in Cleveland. Uh, played with Will in Puerto Rico. Uh, made a lot of good friends down there and then and, and played with a lot of a lot of good ball players and really enjoyed myself. I went I went back uh two more times in subsequent years.
1: Yes, we're brought to you by the Daily Draft in downtown Woodstock. It's kind of my go-to. I'm a little bit lucky. I live in Woodstock, so I'm right around the corner to downtown Woodstock on Main Street to see the Daily Draft, which I've told you many times, it's the ultimate sports bar experience, not your father's sports bar. You're talking wall-to-wall flat screens, self-serve taps, craft bar, chef-inspired menu. And with sizzling plays ahead, if you're planning on tailgating both this summer or this fall, maybe you're going to MBS or Athens or on the flats, or you're hosting a game night at your home check out the daily drafts newest menu edition the tailgate box yes you can enjoy their wings boneless wings a couple of sides a bag of popcorn and of course their homemade jumbo cookies now these are pre-order only you can go to the uh, the dailydraft.net or give them a call at the daily draft to get the pre-orders in if you're also looking for a new place to grab lunch during the week or even order on uber eats check out the daily draft they have A great lunch lineup for only 11 bucks Monday through Friday from 11.30 till 3.30. Again, go to thedailydraft.net, or you can check them out on Facebook or Instagram. The Daily Draft, a unique experience from the moment you walk through the door, a walk-up window to order drinks from the sidewalk, craft beer bar, pool tables, darts, wall-to-wall flat screens. You won't miss a single second of the game. Go check them out today at The Daily Draft.
3: A lifetime of hard work, children laughing in the kitchen, family photos on a restaurant wall, A legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation. Like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC.
0: Marketing is everywhere. From the billboards on the highways to the notifications on your phone, we are constantly bombarded with people trying to sell us stuff. What makes good marketing? Are you doing enough in your life personally and professionally to market yourself? You have questions and the marketing madmen have answers. Search the Marketing Mad Men on Google or your favorite podcast provider to get practical marketing advice from expert guests who are shaping and reshaping the business world. They say marketing is a madman's game. Join the Marketing Mad Men every Saturday at 4 PM to find out why. So when
1: you come back now and and you're starting to feel like you said there's a spot open in the pen the next year, what was the call like? Take me through the call you get from the Braves when it's time to get the uh, the shot at the uh, big leagues.
2: Right, if I if I start crying here, Matt, just just bear with me. Um, it, it's still very sentimental. Um, now it was uh, we were in uh, in Charlotte, and you know, of course I grew up in Macon, um, and probably one of the most fortunate circumstances uh, I've ever I've, I've ever been been you know, been dealt. Um, my father used to come to, I mean, I, I know growing up, high school, little league, whatever. I don't use absolutes very much. Um, so I'll use an absolute here. Uh, my father never missed a high school game or a little league game. I, I remember him um, being on business trips, one in particular in uh, Asheville, North Carolina. I was playing in a t-ball all-star game that started at noon. My dad was in Asheville, North Carolina on a business trip. I think we were playing on a Saturday morning, he got up and left at like four thirty five in the morning just to make it back from my T ball all star game. Um what was that you know, that that dead of kid of my father. And anytime I was playing close to home, of course with Greenville or Durham or whomever, dad would always, you know, do his best to come up and watch me pitch and stuff like that. Um and uh so I was in, in AAA A uh, um briefly with, with, with Richmond and uh, of course I was relieving then after Puerto Rico uh was relieving then. so of course there wasn't any schedule to uh to what I would pitch um but luckily uh my parents and two of their friends were able to make uh make the Charlotte series and um uh I threw that day uh, I threw that day um it was a Sunday uh, kind of a rainy day I threw that day um Truck out the side. Uh, the last center I faced was Josh Booty, who I actually talked to last night. Josh and I are still pretty good buddies. Um, and I'm just walking to the clubhouse with a plate of food in my hand. And um, uh, Jeff Cox, the manager, So Rock, come here for a minute. I walk into the coffee. He's like, Ward's uh, got hurt. You're going to the big leagues tomorrow. I'm like, I mean, just drop my plate of food. I'm like, you've got to be shitting me. And it, it was great for me. But the absolute best thing, one of the best events in my life, was being able to walk out that door, see my dad, say, Dad, I'm going to the big leagues. And the look on that man's face. It was just, it was, it was much more priceless for me to tell, be able to tell him that than it was for even me personally. And that's one of the best things I've ever had the opportunity to do in my life was to look my father in the face and, and I just share that moment together. It was probably the most special thing I'll ever do.
1: That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, every father son, you can't even fathom that. So when you get to Atlanta, take me through the day now from walking in the clubhouse to, Bobby Cox to the all stars all around you. Like, how do you? Is it surreal? Is it something you can even like remember at this point? Because you had to be on cloud nine.
2: Oh, absolutely, and it's a whirlwind. I'll, I'll compose myself here in a minute. Um, I told everyone i saw them damn story, man. i have told the story twenty times. Um, yeah, it absolutely was uh, was surreal. Um, you know, I had to had to fly back after the game to Richmond, uh, and catch a flight from Richmond, uh, like a I don't know, like a 7.30 flight from Richmond to Atlanta. So it was, it was one of those really, really early mornings. But, um, of course, didn't care. Uh, had not been in, in contact at all with the traveling secretary, uh, Bill Acri. So I, I get to Atlanta, have no idea where I'm going. Uh, I had only heard that the big league team stays at the Marriott. So I go to the Marriott, and they're like, we got no reservation for you. Like, well, where am I supposed to go? To? I have no idea where, what hotel I'm at or anything. So I think I, uh, I, think I went to the ballpark or something. And Marriott, not so much. I was in like the Hampton Inn. Remember that Hampton <laughs> Inn It was like two doors down oh, from yeah. my trail. I was still like, yeah, here's the better, I'd say a better hotel than this. It's freaking Double A here. I'm the big league fan of the Hampton Inn. Thanks. Um, but it was, uh, it was, uh, you know, it was that. And you know, I don't care if I had four hours of sleep. Um, you know, I would not going to bed for you know, wouldn't want to bed for the next two days, uh, uh, which is absolutely, on, like I said, on cloud nine. And I think the biggest the biggest thoughts there is, you know, for, for, for most of us, there, there's, you know, the freaks out there, the Alex Rodriguez's, the Andrew Joneses, the the Ronald Acuna's. They're just such freaks. They, they, they understand, I think, in their mind, it's a, just a foregone conclusion. I'm going to be a big leader. It's just a matter of when. Um, you know, for, for most of us that are talented players, but we're not phenoms, um, it, it's a grind. It's a struggle. It's a grind. You had those days where you're like, I'm, I'm going to be selling Lady Kenmore's, so, you know, by, by the end of this year. I'm going to be selling used cars. And and you just uh, – you're never really for sure until you get that call. And it's just I – and mean, it's such a weight lifted off. And for me, the first thing I thought uh, when I walked out, when I walked out on the field and turned the field and just saw that the vastness of the stadium just go up and around, you obviously have never played uh, in a venue that size, is they can never take this from me. Uh, I made it, and you can never take it away from me. And it's just, just, a, just a very uh, – I don't know, just a very satisfying, very just just huge Excel moment where it's just, and you just you just have a you know a, a, a life flash before your eyes kind of thing of the last four or five years and the bullshit bus rides and the gas station hot dogs at two in the morning all the crappy hotels and the shitty ballparks and the the showers that won't drain so you're standing in ape, ankle deep filth of uh, your own teammates. Uh, and you you look back and then you know you see the the grass that could not be any greener and this massive stadium around you and it's like you know what they can never take it from me and um, it's just such a special feeling It really is.
1: What was the uh, first interaction with Bobby and Leo like? Uh,
2: you know some some you know other young punk reliever that uh, you know was up here trying to help the club where they didn't they didn't you know, have any 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 grandiose plans for me it was uh you know rock you know, you're here over there uh these starts in uh, 20 minutes we'll see you out there it's just very very matter of fact you
1: know? tell me about your first major league appearance now when you get to, was it that night did you, did you have to wait for it when did you get in your first major league game
2: no i um i uh i had two nights off um uh, my first appearance was on uh no, excuse me one night off it was uh may 5th of 98 against the uh the dodgers uh First hitter I faced was uh, Todd Hollingsworth and struck him out 3-2 looking away. Um, and for some reason, the hobby called a 3-2 breaking ball. I shook him off, and Leah was so impressed that I shook the off. I'm like, I threw, I threw 98 with a 3-2 breaking ball, and I had a lefty. But I remember Leah I was like, oh, I can't believe you shook him off. Wow, you're really really, really, really mature. I'm like, how am I mature? That's common sense, man. Um, and then uh, – I can't remember the second hitter I faced was the the third hitter was Eric Young O E Y. I grounded out six four, uh, and that was my uh, that was my
1: first outing. Yeah, I had a great rookie year too. I'm looking back, you had a two one ERA. You appeared in 47 games. You became a big part of that bullpen, and that was a team that I mean you're right in the midst of the Braves run. You guys end up uh, in the postseason again. I think '98 was maybe the Padres in the NLCS. So <laughs> was. give me that your was uh, a hell of a series too, wasn't it? It what well yeah that was the Kevin Brown. Even
2: though lost. Yeah.
1: What was playoff baseball like for your first taste?
3: Um,
2: you know, I, I just remember one one. Uh, actually, it was it was my after my first big league at bat, um, and uh, I've, I've still got the, the Sports Illustrated picture uh, in, in my office. Uh, first big league at bat, walked on four pitches, um, scored from first. Oh, Tony Gaffordino doubling the gap, and got a run over Carlos Hernandez, and uh, I think that was the go ahead run, and then. Yeah, I, I went out the next inning, faced Tony Gwynn, struck out Tony, and I'm coming back into the dugout. They pulled me out for that, and I, of course I'm in the dugout, and it was just lead changing back and forth, and i was just I think I think Maddox got the save in that game. I, I got the win in that game. Maddox got the save in that game. And I remember just looking at Smolty, going, "How the hell do you guys do this every year? This is just I, I'm just I, I'm I'm 20 years old, you know you, you you know most most guys that young, um, you know, a bit oblivious and. Uh, you know, don't don't really realize the magnitude of their surroundings, uh, but but yeah, I guess I, I was probably the same way. But you know, when you've got eighty thousand Qualcomm all waving the to white towels, actually the leads are going back and forth. And you know, again, I think that that game ended with Maddox closing and Kevin Brown coming in uh, to to oppose Maddox in like the eleventh inning or something like that. And I just remember looking at this, looking how he uh, just my, my my nerves are shocked. They're absolutely just. You guys have been doing this for, what, eight,
1: nine straight years now? How do you keep doing this, man? That's why he he went bald too early. It happens, right? It just eats away. So, 99, you come in and you take over the closer role. Tell me how that process happens because you had 38 saves. You had a huge year, a 2-4 ERA. Um, How did the process work where you took over in the back end?
2: Um, You know, I I remember going in uh, to spring training um, first week or so and then literally telling Leo, I I want to close games for you this year. And, and uh, you know carried have a tremendous job for us the previous year. Um, unfortunately, his year uh, in '99 was cut short with that uh, with that elbow and um, in spring training. And um, you know, it, it wasn't you know, what I said to Leo, but I think you know, with, with the numbers uh, as they were the previous year, I think that was certainly a thought. Uh, and then you know, we kind of get in Leo's ear say, "I want this." Uh, it was it was kind of anything else. He wants it. Let's 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 throw him out there and see if he can swim. So. Um, yeah, you know, I think that that's kind of how it works, and then like any the, yeah, with anything in baseball, uh, with anything in any sports, um, you know, they'll, they'll throw you out there, and if you can prove yourself, you'll stay. If you can't, then uh, we'll find somebody else who can. And we'll do it pretty quickly. Unfortunately uh, for me, I uh, I started off ninety nine uh, pretty strong and and banged out, uh, you know, uh, quite a few saves pretty quick, and um, uh, you know was was uh, instilling confidence in, uh, in Bobby and Leo and um, so it stopped.
3: Hey, are you tired of shopping your car and home insurance every single year? Well, somebody's got to do it.
1: But that somebody doesn't have to be you. At the Rhodes Group, we can get you up to 10 insurance quotes in less than 10 minutes. Visit us online today at
2: Rhodes-Group.com.
3: This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC.
0: Marketing is everywhere. From the billboards on the highways to the notifications on your phone, we are constantly bombarded with people trying to sell us stuff. What makes good marketing? Are you doing enough in your life personally and professionally to market yourself? You have questions and the Marketing Madmen have answers. Search the Marketing Mad Men on Google or your favorite podcast provider to get practical marketing advice from expert guests who are shaping and reshaping the business world. They say marketing is a madman's game. Join the Marketing Mad Men every Saturday at 4 p.m. to find out why. You guys had a great
1: year that year, despite all the injuries. I mean, you guys, Galarraga was out that year, and Javi gets hurt, and it was one after another. It ends in the World Series against the Yankees in 99 in the midst of the Yankee run. So, like, take me through just being in that clubhouse. I mean, how much fun was it? How serious was it? Because winning for the Braves at that point, it was World Series or bust in that era. So what was it like on a daily basis with that club? Um, You know, I
2: tell you, this is what I think about. Of course, the, you know, uh, well, the the, the the mentality, which, you know, so much of winning is the mentality. And, you know, it, it got to the point at the, the end of that uh, that season. Um, if we somehow lost the game, let's say the last two or three months of that year, uh, if we somehow lost the game, we, we thought it was kind of odd. We lost, like, well, we lost way like And we, we, we literally blew it off two minutes back in the clubhouse. We're like, ah, this is a fluke. I don't know how that we lost. We'll come back and you know, get it tomorrow night. And uh, I think we beat the Mets that year by – I mean, double-digit lead. I believe I don't remember exactly what it was, but I think it was 10, 12 games. Um, so we had a division, you know, sewn up by early September, uh, if I can remember correctly. Um, no, that, actually, that's that, that's a little wrong. They, they, they did give us quite a fight down the stretch, but I think we did did, did enough uh, end up pulling away and, 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 and securing that uh, that division by seven, eight, nine games. Um, but yeah, it was just it was such as a confident mentality uh, mentality that. We we're here so we're supposed to win uh, which is a little arrogant but you know I think you need to have a, a twinge of arrogance about you to, 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 to really be good living really successful. Um, but then we get to the World Series and you know I know we, we caught a lot of, a lot of flag for, for losing how we did to the Yankees chopping block, Uh, I'm going to come up with a big hit, but a big pitch or whatever. Uh, Is there anybody in the last quarter century of baseball, if not longer,
1: Let me ask you a question. When it comes to dealing with experts, don't you know they've got your best interest in mind? Think about somebody in the medical profession, as opposed to you diagnosing yourself. You would never do that. When when it comes to insurance, I would think, yeah, you can go shop your own rates, but don't you want the professionals to do it for you, the experts? Well, I'm talking about the Rhodes Group. My friend Clayton Rhodes and the great folks at the Rhodes Group, they did that for me, and you should know, you should be shopping your rates or having pros do it, each and every year because the rates change so much. When I'm talking about home or car insurance, you could be saving a bundle if you have professionals like the Rhodes Group shopping for you. They did just that, and they saved me a couple of thousand dollars a year with home and car insurance combined. You can be the next to save a bunch of money with the Rhodes Group. I want you to go to their website. It's roads groupcom It's spelled R-H-O-A-D-S-Group.com. Or follow me on Real Matt on Twitter, You'll see the link you can click over and have them give you 10 quotes in 10 minutes at the Roads Group. Locally owned, a great bunch of folks who are professionals when it comes to finding you the best rates. Go to roads-group.com, have them shop your rates. They'll give you 10 quotes in 10 minutes at the Roads Group.
0: Marketing is everywhere. From the billboards on the highways to the notifications on your phone, we are constantly bombarded with people trying to sell us stuff. What makes good marketing? Are you doing enough in your life personally and professionally to market yourself? You have questions, and the marketing madmen have answers. Search the marketing madmen on Google or your favorite podcast provider to get practical marketing advice from expert guests who are shaping and reshaping the business world. They say marketing is a madman's game. Join the marketing madmen every Saturday at 4 p.m. to find out why.
3: This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning, determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business
1: Okay, so what about you that year? Like, There's a lot of stars already in that clubhouse. Chipper won the MVP. You had Cy Young winners. But you had, as I said, almost 40 saves. Do you start to notice your star getting bigger? What was your profile like around Atlanta?
2: Um, you know, it, it, was, it was getting bigger, but I'm still not Chip. So I'm still an MVP. I'm still not, uh, not toting for Cy Youngs. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's real easy to be out in public um, you know, after a year like that. You're you know, a punk kid that's 24 years old. Uh, and start start you know start thinking you're pretty cool. Uh, your your bubble gets caught really quick when you walk back in that clubhouse and see all that hardware walking around, you're like, yeah, I, I'm still the ugly out here. So um, yeah, you get you get humbled real quick, when you realize who
1: your teammates are. So that off season, everybody knows about the SI stuff and it comes out I guess in December. When did you realize how big or how much attention that thing was garnering? Was it did the parents call you? like how big did that thing get right away for you?
2: Um, you know, we, we all we all know
1: that. You know, we all know. I mean, looking back on it, this many years later, is it something that you even like readdress, or is it something that because can... I'm sure it gets brought up to you time to time? And how do you look no. back on it this many years later?
2: Well, what do you mean? It never gets brought up. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, no, honestly, man, it's, it's been 20 years, yeah. and, and I, I, I rarely talk about it anymore. I have to. Yeah.
1: So tell me about the end of the time with the Braves, moving on uh, because your time here, and I know a lot of people thought Rock was going to be the guy here for many more years. And as baseball goes, that changes. Uh, moving teams and changing locations—how difficult was that, and how much of a, uh, a change of like culture was that for you?
2: You know, I, I was—it was—it was extremely tough, and you know, I—you I, uh, know, I, I like a rock in the pool uh, after I left Atlanta. There's, there's—you know—I think several aspects to that. about that you know, blaming anything or blaming that, you know, it was, it was me out there playing the with the pitches. But, um, you know, as I was saying a few minutes ago, mentality um, and confidence and trust in yourself and just the feeling of, out of here, I'm going to win. Um, you know, that, that, that does have you know, play a huge role in how successful and or not successful you are. And I didn't think it was to be that big a deal when I got traded. I really didn't. Um, but when you look back and you say, you know, how lucky was I? To play with organization for ten years and win as much as we did, to do as much cool stuff as I did, World Series and Yankees Day—that's every kid's dream, even if you're not a baseball fan. Um, and you know, to, to, to be playing for a team like that that I had been literally a fan of from the time I was four, or five years old—the Skip Perry, Pete Van Wiering days—and how many games I would go to at uh, at old Fulco uh, and, and buy a, a six-dollar ticket and, and, and you know, and like sit on the third row with six thousand other people. Um, you know, did that plenty of times. I was at the game. When I was 12 years old uh, when Bob Warren hit four home runs against the Expos. I was actually at that game. Still had the program, uh, and I got Bob to sign it about two years ago. When him and I did a sign together. Um, so it was it was it wasn't just a job for me. It was it was almost like I'm playing for my. You, know, you remember how loyal you were when you played high school? I mean, you were sold so your high school team, and it was, it was something you were real passionate about. when You were 18. It's my high school against to Toronto. Team in the big leagues was my rival because I'm, I'm a, I've been a, a diehard Braves fan, uh, you know, for the last 20 years of my life, and and um, right now I'm playing for I'm playing for my uh, uh, you know my, my, my childhood team. It, it takes a little bit of a, a special air when you're playing for the team you grew up a, a fan of, and you're a passionate person, and now you're passionate. You're, you're passionate when you're cheering at 12 years old. Now I'm passionate cheering while I'm playing. Um, you know, it's it's a, it's really another level. I'm traded back, and I will big And I can remember going to Cleveland, and a lot of my teammates there. And we had, had, had some uh, great team uh, uh, in of itself. But I can remember the first three or four innings every single night, I would sneak into the food room, close the door, and watch the uh, watch the Braves on TV. Oh. And uh, I'm getting ready to go out and try to close the game for the Cleveland Indian. Uh, and I'm watching you know, the first four innings of the Braves game. Um, and you know, I just just wish I was there. There, you're kind of starting life there and all that, and all of a sudden boop, it's just yanked from you. Um yeah, it was it was a lot more difficult than I ever gave it credit for. And uh I won't say I, I didn't try as hard. Um, you know, well I was with Cleveland or Texas or whatever, but it just wasn't the same. I just I just I just
1: didn't have the same passion for those teams I had for Atlanta. I always find it fascinating too, John. me you get to that level because you're that good, right? So you make the bigs because you have that kind of talent. For some guys you're lucky enough to play 15 years. Some guys it's five or six and the body just breaks down. Tell me about life at 29 or 30 for you. When you're thinking my mind says I can still do this, but either the body or the chances aren't there anymore.
2: Yeah. And it was, it was, uh, I'm sure you're familiar. You know, being, being a sports guy as you are, um, that injury that Peyton Manning had with the, uh, uh, the pitch nerve in his neck, the pitch C5 in his neck, um, the same exact thing I had. Um, but Peyton was smart and shut himself down for a year. And, uh, Tire that that's been on a car going on the interstate 80 miles an hour for about five miles. That's what your shoulder looked like. uh, like, uh a really. it, like, it was basically like putting a Humvee back together again. Um, and yeah, like you said, you know, I, I went through about two years of rehab and then.
1: career writer actor i mean you got some cool reality tv i mean give me like the thing that to this day that you say i never saw that one coming but it turned out to be enjoyable
2: It was, I don't know if you're a fan of the show,
1: set off the bucket list um what is uh john rocker right now what like what we see john rocker doing on a daily basis today
2: Uh, just GC projects Um uh and just do some, some, uh, some senior deals, some apartment deals, um, some single-family deals, just kind of whatever, or if they can make some money.
1: Well, Rock, great stories, man. Really appreciate it. It's, uh, it's been a heck of a ride. Uh, local guy getting a chance to play with the Braves. Thanks for spending some time with us. We really appreciate it. I'll
2: uh, rob that. Hope you're over. So it's a success. Uh,
1: Yes, we're brought to you by the Daily Draft in downtown Woodstock. It's kind of my go-to. I'm a little bit lucky. I live in Woodstock, so I'm right around the corner to downtown Woodstock on Main Street to see the Daily Draft, which I've told you many times, it's the ultimate sports bar experience, not your father's sports bar. You're talking wall-to-wall flat screens, self-serve taps, craft bar, chef-inspired menu. And with sizzling plays ahead, if you're planning on tailgating both this summer or this fall, maybe you're going to MBS or Athens or on the Flats, or you're hosting a game night at your home. Check out the Daily Draft's newest menu edition: the Tailgate Box. Yes, you can enjoy their wings, boneless wings, a couple of sides, a bag of popcorn, and of course, their homemade jumbo cookies. Now, these are pre-order only. You can go to the uh, thedailydraft.net or give them a call at the Daily Draft to get the pre-orders in. If you're also looking for a new place to grab lunch during the week, or even order on Uber Eats, check out the Daily Draft. They have A great lunch lineup for only 11 bucks, Monday through Friday from 11.30 till 3.30. Again, go to thedailydraft.net, or you can check them out on Facebook or Instagram. The Daily Draft, a unique experience from the moment you walk through the door, a walk-up window to order drinks from the sidewalk, craft beer bar, pool tables, darts, wall-to-wall flat screens. You won't miss a single second of the game. Go check them out today at The Daily Draft.
0: Marketing is everywhere. From the billboards on the highways to the notifications on your phone, we are constantly bombarded with people trying to sell us stuff. What makes good marketing? Are you doing enough in your life personally and professionally to market yourself? You have questions, and the Marketing Madmen have answers. Search the Marketing Mad Men on Google or your favorite podcast provider to get practical marketing advice from expert guests who are shaping and reshaping the business world. They say marketing is a madman's game. Join the Marketing Madmen Men every Saturday at 4 p.m. to find out why.
3: This morning in the Atlanta airport,
1: Guys, thanks again for joining us. We appreciate it very much. Thanks to Brian Murphy for producing the podcast, and thanks to you guys for making us your weekly destination. We'll talk to you next week on Welcome to Madland.
2: Welcome to Atlanta where the players play,
1: and we ride on the things like every day. Big beats hit street seat gangsters roaming, and parties don't stop till eight in the morning. Welcome to Atlanta where the players play, and we ride on them things like every day.
2: Big beats hit street seat, gangsters roaming.
3: Uh-huh. And parties don't stop.
0: Are you doing enough in your life personally and professionally to market yourself? You have questions, and the marketing madmen have answers. Search the marketing madmen on Google or your favorite podcast provider to get practical marketing advice from expert guests who are shaping and reshaping the business world. They say marketing is a madman's game. Join the marketing madmen every Saturday at 4 p.m. to find out why.
3: This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch